What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning best-selling taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, Go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Wednesday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am now joined by a first-time guest, over 250, 70, whatever I'm at now, episodes, and Dane Moore has not been on the podcast yet, but um, a lot of other Minnesota people, shout out to Eric Thompson, Tim Fackless, all those dudes, but uh, another member of um, Zone Coverage in uh, Minnesota is here. Dane, good evening. How are you? I'm good, Chase. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, how come it took 270 episodes? That's a lot of episodes. It was a... It was a very clear fuck up on uh, <laughs> on my end, so I do apologize for the lack um, of professionalism in inviting you on before today. The Timberwolves aren't very interesting typically, so I, I understand the delay. That makes sense. I mean, I think they're they were interesting for a couple of months this year, right? Yeah, but they're never interesting for like the fun reasons. It's just they're interesting for for their dysfunction and change. As I notice in all of the things I write or record myself, there's 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 just always an appetite in when the changes happen or when the stuff hits the fan. There's been very little from like a basketball standpoint that people have really latched onto, and actually, I mean, it's a frustration and a disappointment for me because I think I think a lot of people in the the national media really miss the the what Carl Anthony Towns has done the past two years or particularly this most recent year. I mean, he, I don't know. I, I think there's, I think there's more like behind the veil with the Minnesota Timberwolves than maybe most people think. Well, I think Towns is interesting for a multitude of reasons. You were around this team was, did the stuff with Jimmy, did that really take a toll on him? Let's just start with the Timberwolves uh, first, but um, it seemed like he was a different player once Ryan Saunders took over jimmy butler got traded um we we do we do know that saunders and towns um have a pretty good relationship so what what was the difference there because he was just on fire um in the second half of the season um you know i would say with with towns and jimmy like think about it if as yourself as a person or anyone as a person you have like a best friend from one group of friends and another best friend from another group of friends and you try and bring those two guys together and you're like hey, well, you're both my best friends, and then you come together and it's the three of you, and those two, like, hate each other because you're like, it just, that's what it was in Minnesota. Like, it was oil and water. They had completely polarizing personalities, and they, there were, there were, I mean, when you're in that locker room, there was a clear schism. There was a line down the middle of, like, Jimmy, what Jimmy was doing and what Cat was doing over there. And, I mean, it's a, I think it's an under- I don't know, a misunderstood element of cat is that he's just kind of a, he's a star that moves to a very different beat. Like he isn't, he's very different. He has a very different vibe than any other really good NBA player I've ever come across. And for Jimmy, I think that was just, it was just a frustrating thing. Do you think he's um, happy now with 
where everything is. I mean, do you think, well, I guess we'll have to see what happens with Rosas, but this is, this is a good lead into um, what's going on there because they, they hired a new president of basketball ops. Um, Scott is Scott Layden still technically on the staff. Has he been fired yet? Did I miss this? No, he, he is sticking around. He, he will oh, that's be not good. Okay. in a, in a lesser role. Uh, well, kind of, cause he was under Tibbs. He was, right. he was working below Tibbs. And so they haven't named whether or not it will be as a general manager or, or what exactly that'll be. There'll be Rosa's decisions and then Layden will stay under there underneath him for some, in some capacity. And I, I, part of that reason is that Layden has a $2 million a year contract going for two more years. So they already have a bunch of dead money that's went out the window with the tip, the Thibodeau firing. And then to throw Layden onto that kind of burning pile is burning a lot of money so I think it's, uh, in a way, a cost-saving move and not needing to go out and have to hire another GM. Um, but yeah, as of well, that's now... That's not good. I, I don't like any of how that sounds. Um, I'll go ahead and say that. Um, just move on. Glenn Taylor, you have a lot of money. Um, just hire somebody else. W- what are you doing? You you can afford to pay Glenn Taylor. I mean, uh, pay uh, Scott Layden to, to go away. Um I don't like this shadow GM kind of deal. We're not really sure what his role is. It sounds very Kurt Ram- Rambisy in uh, Los Angeles, where it's like, why, wh- <laughs> why, why are we still seeing his name pop up? Is Milt Newton? Is he still around? Is he still getting checks from Glenn Taylor? You know, he's in Milwaukee. He's the he's the assistant I don't GM believe there. You. I think he's still somewhere in that front <laughs> office. I think Glenn Taylor is still employing Milt Newton in some some capacity. Um, do you think Ryan Saunders stays on this season? Uh, yeah, I mean, 99%, uh, they haven't officially announced anything, but everything I've been hearing and the, the, the over, I don't know, resounding perception is that he will be back next, next season. Good move or bad move? Um, I mean, I, I think there's no way that if you canvas all of the unemployed, uh, NBA caliber coaches in the league that Ryan Saunders is a better coach than all, you know, 100 of them or whatever. But there's an argument to be made uh, for Ryan in that it's not just about the coaching. It's about the connectivity to the team and the con- connectivity to the, uh, the city. And it's, there's a PR element to that. And there's an element of just like, we can't keep giving Andrew Wiggins and Carl Towns a different head coach and a different change can, over and over again. So I think it's a product of recognizing that Ryan is solid as a as a coacher as a uh, x's nose sort of guy and and then hoping that the other you know kind of external stuff on the margins kind of brings him up to to a, a higher level i mean i have a good relationship with ryan and uh i mean think he think he brings a lot to the process but also you know recognize and he would too that not everything went well the, the second half of the season so it's um uh, i think it's a fine move yeah, I would agree in the sense that like sometimes continuity is fine. I think it's um I would like to get his perspective on this, but um it's you've got to wonder um he's still very young in his early 30s, but following his dad and what his dad meant to that city, to that team, to that organization and just being the guy that follows him, it's it seems like a lot and a lot of pressure to do well and be um as beloved as his dad and i i don't know i feel yeah, like but it's he, it's what he wants though like do you th- do, well i mean no son is going to be like i don't want to make my dad proud in his like for this team like it, it seems like no, a very see, but here's the thing, thing to do but he, he had the opportunity he had the opportunity he got asked by uh david fisdale when he was in memphis to come mm-hmm. on and be a lead assistant on his staff so if ryan just wanted to be a coach like he could have done that at different places. Like right. he is of NBA caliber assist, assistant coach. Like he's gotten offers to do that before. But I think, I mean, Minnesota's got a weird, like once you're in Minnesota, a lot of people like never want to leave. And Ryan's like got that itis and, and he wants Why that. Is that. Why is Minnesota like that? I don't know. I'm not like that. Like Minnesota's <laughs> cool and fine. Like I live here, but, uh, I think, <laughs> I think it's a product of it being so cold, so we spend so much time inside that people become homebodies. It's this operating theory I have. But okay. um, Ryan does. I, I feel very confident saying, like, this is 
this is exactly what he wants to do. And I know from conversations I've had with him, how close he was with his dad. And it's not just like a making his dad proud thing. I think it's something he individually wants himself to. They've got to expand that coaching staff though. I was looking at um, just how many. Oh, 100%. Really I, I don't I, I, like that either. Very limited on that side of things. Do you think they're going to at least expand on that front this summer? Oh, that, that was a Tibbs thing. So, so the deal was last summer is, is Tibbs goes, all right, we got knocked out of playoffs in the first round. I'm kind of on a hot-ish seat. Uh, I'm taking over full control. So everybody who was on the staff that he did not hire himself when he came in, all the – the leftovers from the Flip Saunders regime, they were all let go. And he narrowed down the staff and he made it smaller. Except Ryan. People. Except for Ryan. Yep. God, can you imagine how bad of a PR hit that would have been if he fired Ryan Saunders? <laughs> yeah. That would have well, and that's what kind of like, because, you know, 12 months ago, the idea of Ryan Saunders becoming the head coach was just like the, you know, the most distant thing from my imagination. So it was kind of like the, the frustration was I, that he was just kind of being held on the team as a PR sort of move. And just, it wasn't even, it wasn't even like he was really a coach. He was just there because he was flips kid. And that wasn't fair to Ryan who Ryan's been on a, Ryan's been an assist, been in the NBA for 10 years. Like he's only 32, but as soon as he was out of college, he was, I mean, he's been um, in Minnesota with his dad and then in Washington before that on Randy Whitman's staff. So it's not like Ryan is this completely unqualified, just, it's not just like some nepotism move, like, but it, it started to appear to be that way with Tibbs, that it was just some mandate, like, hey, you can't fire Ryan. And I bet you Tibbs probably wanted to. Because he always, he probably saw, like, if things get bad, like, Ryan Saunders makes sense as the guy to replace me. Uh, like, you don't like looking over your shoulder right like that with um, your lead assistant but or just... I, wouldn't, I didn't even think that. Like, I thought that Tibbs was going to get fired mm-hmm. a lot of times during the season. But I did not think that it was going to be Ryan Saunders who came in and took over until it happened. I was like, whoa, when that news came. Because, I mean, like, a young... I remember asking Rick Carlisle about this, like, earlier in the season. And he was like... When he came to town, it was actually it was the first home game for Saunders' first home game, and Rick Carlisle was a really young coach back in the when he started with Indiana, and he was 42, but he was mm-hmm. like viewed as very young, and that was 10 years younger than Ryan. So like that was in my head kind of like the baseline when I tossed around like, oh who who are people that they could hire and bring in? Like I was thought it was they were going to go outside of the team and bring in somebody else or have Sam Cassell. Coming home. Hey, he might. Him and Ryan are tight. Him and Ryan are really tight. But are they really? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, well, the, the Clippers were here a few times, and what about yeah, him and Chauncey? They, uh, well, Chauncey didn't get the job, so yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know anything, any specifics about that, but I know that just in literally in more reports we're going to get that Chauncey Billups interviewed for some sort of GM job around the league and then just pulled himself out or just didn't take it. Is he going to do this for like 15 years? Like how long are we going to keep getting these uh, reports in the bottom of my ESPN ticker? I don't know. I don't even know. Like, but the whole like huge frustration I had with this whole process of hiring like a, a Pobo or GM or whatever is, People are like, hey, Dane, rank the candidates, like rank Phillips, <laughs> Booth, Langdon, and Rosas. Mm. I'm like, we don't know crap about executives. You don't know what they do. Like, you know, at least Billups, you get to like hear talking to ESPN. You're like, eh, that nah, doesn't sound that smart. But like for the rest of the guys, you don't know what happens in a front office. We don't know what happens. Like particularly if you're the second or third or fourth on the front office totem pole, like you don't know. Like, yeah, you can like you can tie him to one move that went good or bad, but it's so hard to know how good or bad somebody is at that job until they do it. Right. Like it's not like a player, like the wolves could go out and sign CJ miles. And I could be like, yeah, CJ miles played in Toronto, but at least I've watched him play like 30 NBA games in my life. Like Gerson Rosas, I have no idea. I've never seen him do anything. So same with Chauncey Billups or, or anyone. That's just like my general, when people have like hot takes about an executive, I'm like, how, what do you actually know? I, 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 that's a tangent. Well, my big thing is I'm, I, I think we're learning more and more just how much ownership 
plays a role in where your franchise can really go, no matter how good of an executive you have, no matter how good of a front office you have, no matter how good of a basketball team you have, if your ownership is shitty, it's it's very hard to overcome. So like Glenn Taylor, do you think he is, can you build a stable winning front office franchise with Glenn Taylor still running things? I mean, it, it depends how much you take out of his hands. If it, I mean, if he is really driving uh, the real driving force of decision-making, then no. I mean, we have a track record that he's not good at that. A long list of things that have gone wrong over a massive sample size. The thing I think if you want to get behind this Gerson Rosa signing is that they put the Timberwolves CEO, Ethan Casson, he was charged with putting together the entire process. And it's one that looks to be fairly complete, extensive. They, I mean, they did a, spent a lot of time, not just flipping through Glenn's Rolodex to, you know, to hit people up, to come interview. Like there was a legitimate search process that happened. So that's a sign. If you're anti Glenn Taylor, which would make sense, it's a good sign that he doesn't have as much autonomy as he once did. Yeah, um, I, I just not, don't. Not a believer? <laughs> no. That's I fair. I really don't. I think these guys, they just, I, I think these business guys, and I mean, I know he was a senator in the 80s and stuff, but I, I don't know. I think these these owners are just wired a certain way where they're like, what is the point of owning a team if I'm not going to be the final decision maker? Or I'm not going to be involved in some capacity if I'm not like, I might as well just sell the team if I'm not uh, the czar of this franchise. It, it, I don't think it makes sense for them. They're used to being dictators and being um, the, 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 just the, 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 the decision maker. I, no, I don't know. I know what you're saying. Yeah, and he's, he's had that in all of his businesses for a long time. The one thing I would point out is that he's 78 and True. Yes. does not have the drive that he did when he was 60 and, you know, hiring Kevin McHale or whatever, or 65 and Joe Smith to illegal contracts and getting exactly like, uh, forget that that happened folks. Not in Minnesota. People won't forget that, but (laughs) yes, at large, they certainly do. He also, um, cost Kevin Garnett, his prime. (laughs) (laughs) Got a Western conference finals out of it. (laughs) Who could forget the the great (laughs) Sam Cassell, Kevin Garnett one. I, I remember that season very well. Um, Trenton Hassel, uh, was there Latrell Sprewell, man? Latrell Sprewell. Uh, yeah, Latrell Sprewell. Um, who could forget? What a team. <laughs> Terrell Brandon, maybe? I don't know. I'm just throwing out Timberwolves from that time period. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Glenn Taylor sucks. So I just, I go back to just, I, I don't know. Like, I, I want Wolves fans to be happy and I want Carl Anthony Towns to get better and better. Um, I just, I don't know. And I think a lot of, I, I think there are two most important things is how much of a role. Um, Glenn Taylor has in preventing Rosas from doing his job well, and then what Andrew Wiggins is and what they can really do, what Ryan Saunders can really do with him. Because if it's just Towns, the star, um, and they can't get one in the lottery this year, um, I don't know. I think they're out of luck for the Towns prime. And I think you have to eventually look at, okay, so we did the KG thing 2.0. It's just more <coughs> sad this time. And I think that's the course they're on. But if Wiggins pops with Saunders and they find a way to figure this stuff out, but I mean, he had a 100 offensive rating and a 115 defensive rating this year. He was really bad. It was a really weird, good Derek Rosier kind of. Um, I, I don't know what to make of that. I would like your thoughts on how he played this year, but um, I don't know. I think that's the other big thing is like, what is Wiggins? Does Wiggins ever figure it out? Does Wiggins like he averaged 25 a game or 25 per hundred possessions. And I mean, you, you could see it, I guess maybe, but he doesn't get to the line enough. He's not as good of a defender as people think he is. He still takes some crazy shots, but then he has that game. Like he did against the thunder where you're like, Oh God, if he did this all the time, things would be great. We would all be talking about the the Timberwolves of like, this is such a fun young team. This could be the Thunder from years ago. This could be that. And I I don't know. I, I just, I, I don't want to quit Wiggins, but I feel like I quit Wiggins like a year and a half ago. Where are you at with Andrew Wiggins? And where is the fan base really at this point? 
uh, there's a lot to answer there. I, the the thing is, is it's it's naive to start hoping to continue hoping for the Wiggins to pop sort of thing. Like, I, I think that ship has well sailed. Okay, well, I, let me go ahead and tell you, folks. Uh, the Timberwolves are dead then, and uh, Towns needs to go ahead and get traded because if that's the case, I, I'm out. I'm completely out, and you have to do a full teardown. Well, I don't agree with that, but <laughs> yeah, I mean there. I, I think I mean you can't you can't move him you can't move him now. What I was going to say is I think if you if you lower the bar from pop to like serviceable player starter sixth man, and it's not it's not it doesn't become this twenty five million dollars sunk cost, and he really becomes the value of a you know a ten million dollar player, and he's fine and it fits. Then that's that's not the end of the world to have somebody on your team who's making fifteen million dollars more a year than they than they're worth. That happens around the league all the time, and there's teams that are decently successful, maybe not championship level, but that's that's not uncommon. And there's an argument to be made that Wiggins could get there. The hope, I think, the best thing is, is in these next couple years, he starts doing that, whether it's in a six-man role or whatever, and he's he's serviceable, and then you're able to move on from him when there's only two years and $60 million left on the deal rather than now where it's four one twenty. I mean, I just think it's important to acknowledge that there is five years left on cat's deal. And even if you want to say like, okay, the Anthony Davis thing all over again, that still gives you three and a half years. So I don't think it's like, you, you, I don't think it needs of what, like what can they really be in these three and a half years? Well, I mean, you can, you could let's see what ha- what they're able to do with the draft. Let's see what they're able to develop with Josh Kogi. Let's see what they're able to play or develop. Period. And then, I mean, it's going to have to be a sequence of moves. I- I'm with you. It's not like it's not like there's they're one small adjustment away, but they're they're at a point where they can't make any more mistakes. And that's not that that's possible to do. And I think with if you have a fully healthy Robert Covington next year like you have a player who's worth way more than the 11 million dollars he's going to make like maybe maybe that alone is is your 15 million dollar difference with Andrew Wiggins and you're back to cool like it's it's not like there's absolutely nothing on this team let's let's see if the the 10th pick that they get this year maybe they even jump up in the lottery maybe there's something there i mean there's with a little bit of luck and effective player development making consistently good moves no bad moves it's not it's not impossible to three and a half years from now to be like you know cat's in a fine place where he's not going to demand a trade i i don't i think three and a half years is a very long time does he like being in minnesota that's part of the he's weird like yeah okay <laughs> i mean he's not weird that's pejorative but like he he's not he's not the type of person at least from my perspective and having spent a substantial amount of time around him where he's even remotely close to angling to find his way out of there. He'll, I mean, he'll spend a lot of time in Minnesota in the summer. Like he, he doesn't like Wiggins leaves as soon as the season's up. Jeff Teague, I was talking to Jeff Teague in the locker room at the end of, uh, end of the season when Teague was kind of shut down. And I was like, well, have you ever been here in the summer before? Like, it's really nice. And he's like, Oh, you're just from Minnesota. Like you're just offending it. And I'm like, well, have you ever been here? And he's like, no, like you've never been in Minneapolis in the summertime at all. So no. And so it's like you gotta you gotta give it a chance. And I think Cat is at least doing that. I'm not saying Minneapolis is as cool as LA or Miami or whatever, but when you're Cat, you're not a guy who like parties at all. Like it's a it could be it, it's a it, I think he's fine being here provided he's happy with what the basketball product is. And to your point, that's what the issue that's what the issue is. I don't think it's a geographical issue for him as it stands right now well that's good because if he's fine staying long term and you're like okay if we have towns locked in and he's cool with minneapolis and we can convince him to stay for a while then that is something where you're like okay well what we could do is kind of do what houston did right and that's where rosas comes in where it's like well, we just got to clear the books. We got to find a way to get off the Wiggins contract. We've got to find a way to get off some of these other bad ones, the Gory Jang shit and different things like that. You got to. What about just out. those two? What if you just get off a of Jang and Teague? Yeah, I mean, like that's that's, that's thirty five. Like that's thirty five. That's more than Wiggins. That's right probably there. the game plan I would do, and maybe that's why you bring in Rosas. Is he can do this? Is he's the guy who can clear the cap sheet and kind of 
fix this where they can find at least one piece um, with the money they have and maybe develop some of their guys and find a way to um, fix their cap. Because if they're able to do that and balance out this roster better, um, then you're like, okay, Towns will be happy. We're, we're not contending for titles, but only a few are. But we still have a superstar. We have a all-NBA guy, and we might get lucky, and we'll figure this out. That That's probably the best case scenario, and I think that's that's feasible. And that's a lot of teams. That's a lot of teams' reality. I mean, yeah. as, you know, like, even the, the one, as I've been watching Portland play, you know, in, in these playoffs yeah. and, and seeing what Damian Lillard has become, I mean, you go back to, uh, to when LaMarcus Aldridge left. And it was, it was the same timeline in his career as, in Damian Lillard's career as to when Butler left in Minnesota. Sure, it wasn't as messy of a thing, but you're like, the, you're the Blazers and you're like, crap. Now we don't have Aldridge. We go and like we go and overspend, and we make a, have a bunch of bad deals on the books, a bunch of Gorgie Jangs and Jeff Teagues. Yet they still found a way through player development to be an above more than competent team. So now, but I think the difference is is Damian Lillard's doing this when he's what 28, 29. Like Cat is in the onerous financial situation when he's twenty three. Like Jeff Teague's off the books in a year, and you have Gorgie Jang with one year. 16 17 left on it next year that's you're able to move off of that uh, a year from now and cats 24 with four years left on his deal I, I i don't think it's out of the question to see the timberwolves provided cat can get to damian lillard level which i don't think is out of the question to to, to see them becoming something that's similar to the portland trailblazers i, I really don't think that's yeah or and maybe the rockets before they got Dwight Howard. Like people forget what that team was when they just traded for James Harden. They had this guy, they had piece one, and we knew Daryl Morey wanted to get piece two, piece three, that kind of stuff. But um he went with Harden and that team was a bottom of the Western Conference playoff team, but it was fun, it was interesting, and they ran everything through Harden and they had their one star and everybody was happy. And I think that's kind of what you can do in Minnesota, run everything through towns, make him this offensive juggernaut and um, clear the cap sheet and eventually um, do some good GMing and find a good guy, find somebody. And um, that's that's feasible. So we we shall see what happens. And the, with Rosa's with Rosa's, I think that's you can expect smart stuff to happen. He's going to be economical. He's not a former coach, a former player who's like, no, these are my type of guys that I go out and get. Like, it doesn't matter if I have to pay an extra $5 million for them or I have to trade an extra pick to get them. Like, no, Rosas is going to look at everything objectively because that's not where he cut his teeth. He wasn't a player. He wasn't a former coach. He's, gonna, he's going to maximize the smaller resources that Thibodeau never did, whether that's something as small as the mid-level exception or small, your, your two-way contracts. The Wolves have never had, in the past two years, they haven't had a two-way player that's played a meaningful minute, period. And, like, I know that's not that big of a thing, but you look around the league and there's other guys who, I mean, Alfonso McKinney right now is getting minutes for the Warriors. He's probably, like, their seventh, eighth best player right now. And that's a, two, a guy who started on a two-way contract, Daniel House with the Rockets. Like, there's stuff like that that when you just dismiss these small things, you dismiss the, the value of rounding out your roster with actually functional minimum contract players, like, that matters. And and it didn't matter to Thibodeau, and it will be these things that Rosas is going to have plot, plotted all the way out with his staff, you know, to the nines. And that's how you, that's how you dig out of what it appears to be a super crappy situation right now. It'll take time, but if you do the, the logical thing over and over again, you can get back to at least mediocrity. Who of the big three point guards on this roster are back next year? So my personal, as we were, we were talking about the Teague, Jang, Wiggins, I think Wiggins is completely out of the question to move right now. One, just because his value couldn't be lower uh, as it currently stands. Gorgie Jang, you got multiple years left on that deal. I think those are two of the three to eighth worst contracts in the whole NBA. So they're fine. They're, they're, they're untradeable. You know, you, see, you wear that. But Jeff Teague, that's my thing, is find a way to get off of Jeff Teague. Attach the the necessary assets, provided it's not, you know, more than a future first round pick to get off of him. And then you're in a spot where you've created cap space to be able to go out and get a 
a Trevor Ariza, a Kelly Oubre, and you have the mid-level exception, and you have your draft pick coming in. I, that's what I would be looking forward for is because to me, Jeff Teague's like Scott Layden. He's attached to the Thibodeau regime. Like he, I, he's fine. I'm not sure he's definitely bad at his job, but it just doesn't have leave a good taste in my mouth. Just move on from that, you know, take it in the shorts for, for having to do that and, and move on. And you can bring back Tyus Jones. I know for a fact, Tyus will sign for a third of what love Tyus Jones. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and maybe he's not a starting point guard, but that's when you're talking I think he about should be the like, starter next year. And I guess it depends on how they go with the draft. I think they should probably go league guard, right? Like if you were um, running their draft board, would that be your priority? Number one? Well, it, particularly if you have Tyus and you yeah. have Josh Kogi and Andrew Wiggins as your Kogi the, guy. I don't know. Not a fan. I, I don't get it. I I'm Josh Kogi is a already a solid defender. His jump shot is very concerning to me. Yeah, I don't like think Robertson to me a little bit. Yeah. And I think he could, I, I mean, it's, I think it'll be better than that. Like he has a stroke, but he has very inconsistent mechanics. Robert Robertson has no mechanics like, but a, a Kogi. Yeah. A, a Kogi could, could be Robertson. But my, my thing is, is if you have Tyus Jones, Josh, Kogi, Andrew Wiggins, you have three guys with, and throw Robert Covington in there, limited creation abilities. So I think, whether it's through the draft or whether it's through free agency with the mid-level, you need to get a, a lead guard who can create and run a pick and roll with Carl Anthony Towns because Tyus's handles fine, but he's not going to like, he's not going to do anything if he's given, you know, if he's given space in, in a pick and roll with cat, like he doesn't, he, he does really shitty last year. 31% from three kind of surprising. Yeah, it was really bad at the beginning of the year. I think Jimmy was really in his ear to shoot more. Mm-hmm. And it was like, if you split that up, like, you, you split up like the first quarter of the season, Tyus's numbers were like really bad shooting wise, but he literally set the NBA record in assist to turnover ratio this season and NBA history. Like he's, he's a very good, if you're looking he's for the positive plus manager. minus, you just know his offensive rating is going to be, uh, he's going to, he's just going to be fine. Like everything, the numbers are always going to be nice when he's on the floor. And if you're talking about a couple year bridge, like that makes a lot of sense. Like, That's what I would do. That's what I'm saying. It's like I think he's a good bridge point guard right now. And then you know, uh, so so let's say you get Tyus, and somehow you get like, I don't know, you, you take Garland or White or whatever, and and then it, it, they end up passing Tyus up, and it's two years from now, and Garland's playing 28 minutes, and Tyus is playing 20. Like I think that's that's fine too. Right. Or, but like. For now, I think he's he's a he, it's that's the guy I would to, I know we kind of meandered here, but like that's the guy I would look to bring to bring back as a much cheaper option at point guard than than Jeff Teague is, and yeah, and, and roll with that. I, I don't think Derrick Rose is really a point guard at this. I, His or he usage hasn't, rate but, was second on the team. He had a twenty seven percent usage rate for the Timberwolves last year. How does that happen? But then again, you look at their offensive rating as a team, and it was eleventh in the league. The problem with the Timberwolves last year was their defense sucked. I don't yep. understand. He shot thirty-seven percent from three. Well, he shot, and and that's he under Ryan Saunders. He shot twelve percent from three, which is half the season. So it was forty-six percent under Tibbs. So it's it very much it very much fell off. So he he's shown some shooting chops. Like he Derek Rose, Derek Rose is a fine offensive player. You just want him back. I think he'll be back for business reasons if they business. can find a way. Yeah, like he's so he's like in China, he's the most popular player in the entire NBA. Is that true? Yeah, very, very much so. He, See, he I would still, love him in. Well, uh, I would love him as a backup. Like he needs to fill that Sean Livingston role, where the Jeremy Lin stuff, where it's like sure. he should just be the third guard on a good team, a contender. Like you want him in there for a little bit. Um, I even think he'd be good in Atlanta, being backing up Trey Young for um just because they had like tyler dorsey and just an albatross of nonsense um and he's not malcolm delaney or any the other very bad backup point guards the hawks have had in the last couple years but um that's where he should be so i I would i think for him he should be like no oh what are the warriors doing is sean livingston gone i'll just step in there or um i don't know i think there are better opportunities for him how much do you think he costs uh i would pay him very little money i don't know and i think that's just what it's going to come down to is pay him is rosas really gonna pay him well the thing is is you have his bird rights his early bird rights which is fine because he's not 
he's not going to earn more than $9 million a year. And that's what he can be paid with his early bird rights. So it, it sounds high. It sounds high. I don't think it will get that high, but the advantage when you're, when you're a team that's pressed up against the cap, you go and use the mid level, you draft your, you, you draft sheets rook. just awful. Like I, I mean, know the top look, stuff coming off is nice. Um, but does he have a player option or is he just a free agent? Is it, he's a free agent. Anthony Tolliver's free agent. Luol Deng. Like there's a, there's Dario will be a free agent next year. So they'll have to decide yeah. what they're going to do with him long-term. Mm-hmm. Do you think I, he's a, a, a going to be around for the foreseeable future? Did they like what they saw from him? I think you got to see, like I definitely, he, so he's contract extension eligible this summer. And I think you definitely hold off on that until mm. he hits restricted free agency. Uh, I mean, I, I would, it's weird with towns. Like the, I don't know if theory, you could play him at the fit. four and towns at the five and crunch time. But in theory, it makes sense, right? Like a a stretchy big next to Cat. Well, I think it's more the rebounding. Like that team is awful. I know, but Cat's a Cat's a very good rebounder. Like I mean, as a team, they were bottom in the league, right? I I, I want to say this was like one of the worst rebounding teams in basketball. Defensive re- defensive rebounding, they were like bottom five, and offensive rebounding, they were top five. So it balanced out. Oh yeah, 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 I heard is okay. Yeah, they're a terrible defensive rebounding team. Total and, rebounds nineteenth. Hmm. But. But look at look at who the non cat rebounders are on that team. Like maybe you're right, Sarge might be like slightly below average. I don't think he's a bad rebounder though. It's you have Andrew Wiggins who doesn't want to touch a scrum. Right. You, I mean, you have Tyus who's small. Jeff Teague is not physical. Derrick Rose is undersized at the two. Like I, I, I think also if you look at schematically the way they played, I mean, when you're playing kind of like a zone read defense, it's it's harder to particularly in the weak side, to rebound out of that. So there's going to be a whole bunch of changes there that could make them a better defensive team that would include being a better defensive rebounding team. I mean, Cat's a very good, I mean, top five rebounding center in the NBA, right? Like, I, I, I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about the, the rebounding as much as I am. What is the synergy he has between Saric and a defensive scheme? What is the synergy? The, how are those two going to be able to play off of each other offensively. I know Ryan, I mean, he switched Sarge into the starting lineup once he came and put Taj off the bench because he wanted to, he wanted that four spacing around Cat, who they started posting up way more. So in theory, it's, it's a good fit. I wasn't blown away by how well it, how effective it was. So that's why I think you just wait, like let's see 82 games of those two together before you commit any sort of long, long-term money to Sarge. All right. Well, I think that's enough wolves. I think we have <laughs> exacerbated our wolves talk. On this the podcast. amount of people who have told me that is, it's, it's a very long list. That's enough wolves, Dane. That's enough wolves. <laughs> it's fine. We, we, I, I will not talk about the wolves in this podcast again for a while. So we, we got it right. out of the way. This, this was good. Um, as we were recording, uh, Stephen A. Smith went on ESPN and said that there are people telling Jeannie Buss that the, the Lakers should, um, Trade LeBron James. There's people telling her that. What people? Yes. I'm Lakers fan. The Rambus, the Rambi, uh, triumphant. Um, or I guess not triumphant because there's not three. There's only two. But I, I wouldn't rule out a third. Um, Dan Devine had this great tweet about um, <laughs> Kurt Rambus's rise <laughs> after like. Oh, I, I need to read this whole thing because Kurt, Kurt Rambus, former Timberwolves coach. There we I go. forgot about Just that. Bubbles. Didn't he do yeah. something weird with Kevin Love? What did he do that year? They ran the triangle off. They ran the triangle. Yeah, and it was, God, that was, that was, oh my God. Okay, so Dan Devine of The Ringer said Kurt Rambis rolled up a 32 and 132 record in Minnesota. Great stuff there. Um, went 9 and 19 as an interim coach in New York. Floated the maybe Chris Stapps is a small forward test balloon. Liked a porn tweet. Deleted his account mid-denial that he liked the porn tweet and has now grown more powerful. That's a, He's a superhero. That's what that is. Shout out to him. And his wife who's just... So I looked at her LinkedIn before we started recording. Special projects for the Lakers. That's her title. Um, mm. And when then we learned that like she's like a shadow owner of the Lakers according to GMs and other stuff. But um, it's the Lakers, man. Like I, 
I still just can't believe people are like, oh, Magic Johnson's vindicated. And it's like, well, if you read the stuff on Magic, he was never around. He was a bad executive, too. And like him being called an absentee executive made sense because if you read the reports, he'd just be gone for weeks at a time. And he had a very important position in basketball operations like Magic. If he was just like we see what he does with the Dodgers, that's what he should have done with the Lakers. It's just been the money guy and go hang out, but also employ like the Andrew Friedman's of the world, not the Rob Palinkas and Kurt Rambuses of the world. And I, I don't understand how this got this bad this quickly, but like, I, I would love to know what LeBron really does think about all of this. Like with Tyron Lue wanting five years and the Lakers only offering three for 18. And part of the reason he didn't accept that is because he still is owed $10 million by the Cavs and it would have like made look bad if he took less. And like, there's all these weird contract stuff, but he also got a Lakers birthday cake a couple days ago to celebrate him getting the job. And then uh, you knew that Lou and LeBron wanted to be together and that obviously did not happen. And now you just, there's so many different layers now that Jason Kidd stuff. Um, but I don't think that would have been a problem. And then you see the reports that like Palinka and the brain trust were like, it would be nice to have Lonta ball work with Jason Kidd. And that was like a easy, lazy comparison for him coming out of the draft was that like, could he be Jason Kidd two point in the NBA? So I feel like you want to bring him on that staff. I think that's fine. And that, that makes sense as an assistant coach, but then they're like, well, they were really interested and intrigued by what he did in Milwaukee developing the young guys. And I'm like, what the, what, what? No, <laughs> where, where are you seeing any of that? No, you're reading. Me. You're reading too much Lakers Twitter, man. I I don't like. Just I still just can't out. believe what's happening here. Just let it shake out. The, the, my whole thing is the issues are are bigger than. I mean, the, not to say the front office stuff isn't big. Like, I'm concerned as to what they have on this team. Like, you have you have LeBron, and I actually like Lonzo Ball. But you have Lonzo Ball and now this uh, a whole big Brandon Ingram question. Like, you need so much more. Even if they're able to go out and get a Kawhi or whoever, like, you, you need other no, that's pieces over. in this team. All that's over. They're not getting anybody. That's over. They're not getting anybody. Anybody. Really. I don't even think they could get Jimmy Butler, even if they offered him a ridiculous amount of money. I think it's over. Well, now that Ty Lewis and his now that his boy Thibodeau isn't going to be the assistant coach there, like yeah, no, no. They're interviewing Lionel Hollins. (laughs) They'll get somebody. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think this is just worst case scenario now in Los Angeles for LeBron. And if I'm LeBron James, um, I'm asking for a trade today. Uh, That would be such a mess. I would be. 100% 100% here for it. It would be fair for him because ultimately Magic was the guy who met with LeBron. Like that was a big selling point for him choosing the Lakers and for him to leave the way he did. Um, I, I don't think anybody would be upset with what's going on here for um, LeBron to ask for a trade. Now, where would I want who, him to ask for it? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I was just saying. <laughs> I don't know why, I, why I'm, I'm rolling down this path with you, but where to, who trades for LeBron? What does that look like? Oh, it's like? Miami. <laughs> where he never should have left folks i mean it, the chris bosh stuff changed everything there but um I, I miss miami lebron and pat riley would i'm sure welcome him back with open arms with what's going on in miami the last couple of years so um that'd be cool i don't know For what like kelly olenic and justice winslow like what what are, what are they trading I mean, you're dealing with Kurt Rambis, so you probably wouldn't have to give up much to uh, to get uh, LeBron James at this point. You wouldn't. Like, well, hold on, hold on. You wouldn't have to give up much to get LeBron James. I don't know about that. So they have one of the worst front offices in football or football in basketball <laughs> now. Like you have Kurt Rambis, Rob Palenka, who we know is not good. We know Kurt Rambis is not good. We know Jeannie Buss is not a good owner. We know Linda Rambis is playing a pivotal role here. Um, this is a front office that you want to call about trades. You want to see what you can get for Brandon Ingram right now. You want to see what you can get for Alonzo Ball, guys like that. LeBron James, yeah. See what they would see what they would do. Get Lim, get Linda on the phone. That's all I'm saying. If you can get Linda Rambis on the phone and just be like, Yeah, I think you're right. I think you need to move on. Like this LeBron stuff is a huge distraction. It's might you might as well get ahead of this and move on and uh just trade uh the best player in the world. 
to us. I think that's what you should do. Be a great, great move. Um, I think you could you could do that with this front office because this front office is a it's a dumpster fire. And my favorite thing about all of it is that while the Lakers are just spinning their wheels and imploding from the inside out, the Clippers have built like the perfect super front office. <laughs> and I, I don't know if people are ready for this, but the Clippers, they're getting Kevin Durant this summer and they're getting Kyrie. They're getting both. You might even get Jimmy. They're <laughs> The Clippers are getting who? They're getting Kevin Durant. I, I've said that on this podcast for nine months. Like, when you get Steve Ballmer, Jerry West, they're the, the winger, all those dudes who elected to stay, get Lee Jenkins in there. You get Doc Rivers, Lawrence Frank, all the guys. Do you remember that press conference, um, Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams, where they were just like, what did you want us to do with uh, Kevin Durant? Like, he's, mm-hmm. he said who he was, and he proved it. You know Kevin Durant saw that and was like, oh, I could play with these guys. Because he wants to be happy. He wants to be appreciated. He wants all of his guys to love him. And he wants the city to love him. He'd be the best player in franchise history. Be his city. Be his team. It, he would finally just get his own team. Yeah, I think, it, I sure, I guess it's a possibility. Anybody. He's going Kevin to the Clippers. <laughs> He's not going to the Knicks. The Knicks are just Lakers East. It's awful. Do you see what happened with Dolan this week? Like that weird stuff now? Like he's getting... Uh, it's not happening. The Knicks are not getting... I remember reading... I went back just because I. this all felt too familiar with the LeBron stuff from years ago in 2010, where like Ian O'Connor um, wrote this ESPN piece where it's like, LeBron James has to go to New York. It's going to be his team, his city, big stage, all this stuff. And I'm like, a lot of these reasons are the same thing, but then you, you forget it's James Dolan and it's the Knicks and they're going to... They're going to fuck it up. Like, what are we doing? Why do we keep thinking the Knicks are going to land two of the top 10 players in basketball this summer? That's ridiculous. It's a bad franchise. Clippers are a great franchise. They're trending up. They made the playoffs with no stars. In the West. I I guess it's it's definitely one of the options. I I mean, I don't even know how long the list is. I'm really passionate about this. I, I really am. And I just... I think Kevin Durant, if he ends up choosing the Knicks over the Clippers, I just, I'm out. That's just so many red flags that I just can't, I can't begin to, to understand any of them. It's just, it's, it's hard to find places for him. I mean, other than the, like, other than the teams who have the ton of cap space being the, the Clippers and the Knicks and like, I, I mean, I'm, Dallas is, is going to be filled up by Porzingis. Dallas like, is getting Pat Bev maybe, right? Didn't uh, Luca follow Pat Beverly or one of the two followed the other. I, I don't know. So it seems like Patrick Beverly is Dallas bound. <laughs> is that how that works? I think so. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, he would love that. You you have uh, your brain has advanced further into the future than than mine has. I I don't I don't know. I don't join know what he's going to do. Dane, join me. I, sure. It's all, it sounds. There there's certainly logic behind it, and there's cap space. More importantly, there's cap space, and that's. They can get somebody. So yeah. I just I, I just know. Oh, actually, LeBron, showing... the trade is Houston. Now that I think about it more and more, he uh, should have yeah. signed with Houston when he had the chance. That's what he should have done. Not Philly. It should have just been Houston. Well, that, that Houston's certainly in a better place currently than, than the Sorry. What if he just retired? He's like, <laughs> I've done enough. This is it. I, I'm Maybe good. Go- Goes plays baseball for a little while. Not baseball. What what else could he do? Like, what's his Michael Jordan equivalent? Because it wouldn't be baseball. I, I mean, football was his thing in high school, but I don't think he can go to the NFL at this point. Um, be worse for his body. I, I don't know. What could he do? What if he just left? Go to Hollywood. Do the John Cena rock stuff where he's just like, I'm just going to be an actor full time. The thing is, is LeBron's not good at that. <laughs> uh, he is. Hold on. He's good in train wreck. LeBron's a good actor. Trainwreck was solid. Trainwreck was solid. I'm just like, he, he's one of those people, and you, know, you just watch the shop, and you're like, I can tell that you've thought through exactly what you're saying before you've said it. And like that characteristic is not the characteristic of an actor because you're clearly manufacturing yourself as you go. And I don't know. I don't think LeBron's funny. I don't think any of that's. I think he's good at basketball. I think he's good at basketball. I think I, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna stay with the Lakers, and I think they're gonna get a star. I think he should retire. That's what I've decided on this podcast. Well, we're we're on. We're on. Retire. We're on different sides of that. 
spectrum. Or he should have just stayed in Cleveland. There, keep going to the NBA Finals. Like I, I, that's another weird one. What happens if they had just gotten Paul George? Does any of this happen? No, totally. It's it's wild. The NBA is great. Um, the last thing, and then we actually have to wrap up here. But, um, I was going to talk about the Seth Curry and Piston stuff just because it's the kind of basketball minutia that I'm very much here for, and I've always been intrigued by how Detroit's going to solve their backcourt issues. Um, Reggie Jackson and uh, just Ish Smith and just a rolodex of bad point guards that are trying to make it all work with Dwayne Casey and Blake Griffin having this career year and the the two big guys and him and Drummond and how they work together and Blake shooting great from three and like how all the floor spacing works and what this team would look like. So Seth Curry is apparently a target for them. That's what I'll say. And I think that'd be good. I'd like to see him as like the starting point guard and they just spread him out and just let Blake be lead point forward and all that kind of stuff and get really weird with it. But, um, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's where I'm at with that. Um, do you have any Seth Curry thoughts? Well, I, where I think we disagree here is that Seth Curry is a point guard. I, well, I, I mean, league guard and uh, like, I think Blake should be the point guard. Okay. I think sure. Blake should be bringing up the ball a bunch and you should just have two, three point shooters around him. Like, that's it. Like just have Seth Curry and like Luke Kennard as your starting backcourt. Okay. That's what I would do. Yeah, I, I just think yeah, I think Seth has to play off the ball. Like I think if you if you put the ball in his hands, yeah, right. that's what your team do, has yeah. a a point of attack problem. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I just don't think Seth Curry is like that good. He's okay. I, yeah, yeah. I just um, don't know if that solves. Well, I'm just trying to figure out how problems. the Pistons solve their guard, their backcourt situation. I, they're I just, they're capped out. They're just I I don't know. It's a very weird situation in Detroit outside of Blake and Drummond. They they have a worse cap sheet than the Timberwolves. I guess I would call San Antonio because once DeJounte Murray comes back, you have Derek White, DeJounte, DeMar DeRozan, um, Patty Mills, Lonnie Walker, Bryn Forbes. I don't know. I think that's too many guys. I think they're going to have to move on from one of them. And maybe you're like, who can we have? Who are you okay just giving us out of pity? Greg Popovich and R.C. Buford. Who can who can we get? Maybe you get Bryn Forbes out of it. I don't know. If you're, so Detroit's trading for these guys. Am I following you here? Yes, getting like one of those because that's just too many guards. You can't play them all. But what are they? What do they trade? What is Detroit giving up? Well, Detroit could give up. I mean, Greg Popovich. If there's one thing I know about Greg Popovich is that he would love coaching somebody like Reggie Jackson. So I think they would take that <laughs> and that cap number. He seems like a very San Antonio guy um no let me see who was on that. no what the the thing that well, it would have been stanley thing. johnson um and who they were rumored to be interested in but that went to new orleans weirdly enough so that's that's out um i don't really know who else makes sense for them uh who else on this team seems like a ugh, Wayne they don't have good players Wayne ellington's ellington's a free agent that's right i don't know no one else makes sense I think what what San Antonio's got there is nice. I mean, I think you can I think you can play three of those guards at a time and and be fine. I mean, they're particularly with Dejounte's size and I, like that's that's not your normal not your normal point guard. Uh, I I don't know. I think I think San Antonio's got a good thing going that they wouldn't want to. I don't think they want Reggie Jackson coming in there to poison them. Yeah, no, Reggie Jackson would not get traded to the Spurs. I mean, I guess best case scenario would be like a Stephen Jackson kind of deal, but I, I don't think that uh, that would happen. Um, last thing, quickly, uh, Raptors, they are winning the finals, correct? No. Oh, They're not no, winning I've been saying East. that for nine months as well. So they have the best player in the NBA right now. Best depth. Playing, playing hard, figuring stuff out. Marcus All hitting trailing threes. I, I, not often. I, I love this team. Okay, well, their their bench has been trash in this series. Marcus Saul's yes, not. I'm not worried about that. It's going to get better. We know their bench is not going to be this bad all the time. They've always been. They, like, we've always liked their depth, and just because they have a bad series, that suddenly the Raptors' su- supporting we, we cast really, sucks. We really liked their depth last season. No, right? still this year. Well, I really liked it last season. That's because they had Pascal Siakam on their bench. I think you have a very big change. Have, okay, hold on. You have Jeremy Lin, Patrick McCaw. You have Fred Van Fleet. You have not Serge playing, Ibaka, not depending playing. on the lineup. Yeah, not no, they're not shots. playing. OG and Anobi. You never know. I that's never... You no, know, OG, OG being out is big. Has, that's yes. been big in the series. 
Norman Powell came back to life after getting put on the bench perpetually uh, last season by Dwayne Casey by being in his doghouse. Um, did, I don't know. It's definitely not as good as last year, but they still have a good bench. Did you say winning the East or did you say winning the finals? Winning the finals. Whoa. I mean, East, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I've been a believer that it's going to be Milwaukee coming out of the East. I mean, it's going to be sure. a bloodbath, Giannis versus Kawhi. I cannot wait for those two. Um, and as we're recording, Milwaukee's beating the shit out of Boston to f- wrap up that series. And I think Kawhi's going to do the same thing to Philly. But, um, God, it's going to be a bloodbath. I, I, I'm, I'm very excited. I, I was very certain that Milwaukee would move through Boston easily. I... This Toronto Milwaukee will be will be much closer, and I I don't know I, I do think that with Toronto and I mean you do the bench if the bench can maybe it doesn't need to give you the offense that it did last season but if you can if you can go eight deep with all really good defenders I mean that's huge because what we know with Milwaukee is if you can if you can start neutralizing a couple of those pieces in their offense, it really, it's a house of cards. And even, even if Giannis is getting his, like a huge part of why, why the Bucks have had so much sex success against well, uh, Boston sex as well. Yeah. I'm glad I'm on your podcast. <laughs> uh, it is, is Chris, is Chris Middleton. I mean, you need to be able to, you need to be able to find ways to neutralize what they're, what they're doing offensively and not giving Giannis options to, to go to when it's like those abort mission drives. Like you, you, I, and I, I think Toronto is particularly adept at being able to do that. I do think the home court advantage in a close series, you gotta, you gotta lean Milwaukee in that sort of capacity, but I'm not, I'm not willing to, I'm not willing to lock into that. And either way, if it goes Toronto, Golden State, I mean, Toronto, I, I think Golden State's waxing them. Mm, why? Get that why? Why? Just why? Why? What is it that Toronto does to to I mean, break Golden State? I, well, we saw what Kawhi did to them two years ago with a worse Spurs team. Like, if he doesn't get hurt, do they win that series? That was one game. I felt good. Felt good about <laughs> it. Kawhi is just... I, I, I like their depth better. I think there's a lot of weird stuff going on with the Warriors. There's just And it's also really hard to go to this many finals in a row. It's rare. It's only happened one other time with the Celtics. Like It's it's a very difficult task. And um, I may feel a little bit better if Boogie was playing, but um, mm-hmm. Steph's out of sorts. Uh, Katie's doing a lot. And, like Steph's usage is like 24 right now. And I, I, I don't know. There's just a lot of weird stuff with this Warriors team. And I just don't, I don't believe they're going to be able to make it through. And I think that's not really like a crazy thing. I think if Milwaukee wins the East, I'll probably pick Milwaukee. Um, but I think you'll pick is... Milwaukee over. You'll pick both of them over. Yes. So you're Golden State's not winning the championship. They are not winning the championship now. What is your what is your per, if you had to set odds on Golden State winning the championship? What is your percent chance? I'm not a big gambler, so I don't know how any of that works. Well, that's not a gambler. That's just I'm, I'm just saying odds. Like you're for like a coin I mean, flip. If I had to is... rank like the remaining playoff teams of who's most likely to least likely to win the title it go one raptors two bucks three three warriors four rockets five nuggets six blazers wow. including both of them just because i don't know where that series it could still go either way but the other ones we just know that those teams are out yeah yeah i mean i just it's i it'll depend i'm we're recording this before game five starts of of warriors rockets but for me, it's very hard to not pick the winner of that series to take That's down fair. whoever comes out of the East. That's fair. The Western Conference Finals are going to be a much easier series than whatever is going to be happening in the East. I think that matters too. And I, is that they have the the Rockets and the Warriors are just better. They have better top end talent. I, I I think yes, you have Kawhi who can. I don't think they have better top end talent, especially Houston. I don't think who's two. Would Talk you take Harden okay. over Giannis or Kawhi? <clears throat> I think those are all. I think you can put Giannis, Kawhi, KD, and Harden all kind of in that sort of tier there. But I think Harden is like number four of those four. But you, it's important, maybe as the the quality of the player, but the way that Houston uses him maximizes him in a way that the other 
Well, I mean, I think Houston nope. would do the same if they had any of those other three. Like they would just go full crazy usage, well, and he would. But we're we're talking about in this now as it's saying. I mean, I just I think Kevin Durant's the best player left in and the most impactful, dominant, whatever. But I I just I I don't know. I, I when I meant top end, I meant like the top couple players on this team because like Pascal Siakam, like you're great. I love him. Marcus all playing great. Kyle you're, Lowry, you're putting a die, lot baby. of faith. Danny Green, you're putting a lot of faith in those guys. I mean, Danny Green's awesome, and Danny Green um, has been there. Like that's the other thing I like about the Raptors. They have so many guys in their rotation that have been there. Like you, Serge Ibaka, a lot of big playoff games. Kyle Lowry, say what you will, but he's been around a long time. Um, you have McCall, even in that locker room, has been there. You have Danny Green, won a title. You have Marcus All. Just, I, I, I love just the amount of vets that know what they're doing. And I, I, they have the best player in the NBA right now. I, I think that all matters. Yeah, I just Kawhi, Kawhi's been awesome. Kawhi's been awesome. I don't see the the secondary top end talent. I don't think Pascal Siakam's at the le- the at the level that uh, a Steph is, or or a Chris Middleton, or that or Chris Paul when when he's rolling. Like I, I just think. When you look at the top three players on the Rockets, I'll take the top three players on the Rockets over the Raptors guys, and I'll take the top three players on the Warriors certainly over the, the Raptors guys too. So even if Kawhi is the best, I don't know if that's going to be enough. 31 points, eight boards, three assists, only one steal a game right now for some reason, getting to the line seven times, um, shooting 46% from three. I mean, Kawhi is... He's been a beast. I, I just... I, I really do believe, and this was something I was saying all season, where people were like, oh, he's missing a bunch of games. Well, I'm like, this dude is waiting. Like, the Raptors are like, the only way we can keep Kawhi Leonard is if we win the title. And that's why they were super cautious with him. And it's paid off, because he's playing at another level. We've seen this gear before. He's the guy that had LeBron just shake his head of, like, just being upset when he came back on the floor a couple years ago in San Antonio, and he was still with Miami. Like... And he was a lot younger then. He's still only 27. Like, Kawhi is just... I, I I love Kawhi Leonard. And I think that's why I'm riding and dying with him. And I think he's staying in Toronto. And I think they're winning the title. I think the Sixers might win that series. Oh, God. Oh, oh God. <laughs> I'll remember that. Oh, God. I, I mean, I think the Raptors are favored right now. But I wouldn't be surprised to see the Sixers win the last two games of the series. How dare you? Uh, after all that you're gonna pick the sixers in this series to come back oh god i said i wouldn't be i wouldn't be surprised and and i know you don't want to do percentages but i would give out like a 30 percent chance Uh, negative five i think should be be the be the thing there um no no god no um same thing about the war the raptors over the warriors no you can't because the sixers (laughs) the sixers beating the raptors (laughs) is more likely than the Raptors beating the Warriors. Oh, strong disagree. Strong well, disagree. Let's see. No, you're not a gambler, so we can't bet. But No, we can't. But um, I, I do know that once you see Kawhi holding the title, you're going to just... Your I'll think of this like, for sure. You'll be like, God, how did he know? How did he know? I'll be like, that, that podcast I did, and I that I missed the Celtics Bucks game. The you Kawhi the best part, Kyrie's last game of his Boston career. The best part? You get to follow that back up two months later or not even two months when KD signs with the Clippers and you're like, fuck man. Two for two. Jesus. This guy knows stars. He knows basketball. Well, then uh, you just remember to, you remember to when the Warriors win the championship and it's Anthony Davis and LeBron James on the Lakers next season. Yeah. The Lakers will have no stars. LeBron might, LeBron might not even be there. So I, I don't know. I think the Lakers, you need to sell all Lakers stock as soon as possible and buy as much Clipper stock as humanly possible. That's what I would recommend. Um, all right. And this, that so concludes this episode of ESPN First Take. <laughs> uh, I don't think these are outrageous takes. I think these are takes I believe in. And I think you can tell that I believe in what I'm saying. These are... I'm passionate about it, so this works. Um, Dane, you have a great podcast. Uh, where can people find it? And is there anything else that we need to check out from you this week? Uh, yeah, well, I, I cover the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, so my podcast is is largely that in the offseason. I mean, we'll get into different things, but we've uh, just recorded an episode about the Gerson Rosa's hiring. So I don't know how many of your listeners are Minnesota Timberwolves fans, but if you're, if you're looking for a Timberwolves podcast, it's the Dane Moore NBA podcast. 
and you can follow all my my writing um, at Dane Moore MBA on Twitter. All right, sounds good, Dane. Thank you all so right. much for making the time. Um, go Kawhi. Go Raptors. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.